0: Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards the, like, some greater purpose. The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his
1: This is Michael Mann and I ride with extended clip.
2: Are we going Johnny mock? Johnny Mac? Mock. I think it's mock, yeah. yeah. I would say mock. Johnny
3: Mac is cool, though. Johnny Mac
2: <laughs> is cool. <laughs> the return yeah. of the Mac. Yeah, know? I was going to say, that's yeah. like a Hong Kong pimp from the 70s. <laughs> uh, welcome to Extended Clip. It is episode 275. I am one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum.
3: I'm JT White.
2: And joining us this week, you know him from his previous appearances, you know him from his own podcast, The Gauntlet. It is Marshlands himself, Eric Marsh. What's up, man? Hey,
1: guys. Thanks for having me again. What a treat.
2: Of course, you're in the, uh, you're in the three-time returning champion ring now. That's a, that's a rarefied air.
1: That's Jordan shit, yeah. That's,
2: exactly. <laughs> Michael Jordan and Ryan Swen, you know?
1: <laughs> the 3 Pete. Yeah.
2: I guess you could say Ryan Swen is the Michael Jordan of accruing extended clip guest appearances. <laughs> uh, him, and Rob, him and Rob kind of are like the, yeah, they're the Jordan and Kobe, like five and six or so each, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, but the film we're talking about today is johnny mox long arm of the law from 1984 now we have not talked about any hong kong genre cinema in a while but it's a nice reminder that every single fucking time you go down that well you will be satisfied and you will find some awesome stylish stuff and this is no exception eric why was it this particular film you wanted to bring to the pod
1: Well, this film was uh, one I watched a couple years ago when I was doing a a heist films course, and I fell in love with it. You know, like I hadn't seen anything sort of from from the early '80s Hong Kong that had this milieu and the modern sort of crime thing going on, and it just really blew me away. And then I sort of learned like it's kind of a foundational film in the the ongoing and, and coming sort of Hong Kong new wave. And a film that prefigures basically like all of my favorite movies, like Ringo Lam, John Woo, Johnny To. This is sort of like the one that started it all, you know? And it just like, it's, it's insanely violent. It's got my favorite stuff, which is on location, guys running around police shooting everywhere, uh, lots of unsympathetic characters, and uh, lots of funny sort of like Hong Kong capitalist touches, you know, kind of jamming on the the China-Hong Kong divide. It's got all the hallmarks, and uh, yeah, just, I love it.
2: Yeah, I I really love I mean, the China-Hong Kong divide, this film starts with this group of criminals uh, sneaking into Hong Kong so that they can rob some jewelry and come back to the mainland. And that into itself is like a great political minefield for a premise. Uh, But it's so much more than that, like just as a pure genre film. Uh, J.T. Malcolm, have you seen this one before?
3: No, I hadn't. This was uh, also, just in general this year, I've been trying to do less American movies and so a big area I've been trying to focus on great movies lots of them Hong Kong and it just really like that and then the McDonald's scene Mm. I feel like really wet my beak in terms of just things that have been on my mind a lot recently.
2: Yeah, I mean, the fact that the first thing they do upon entering Hong Kong and the uh, the British capitalist system is go to the fucking Maccas is killer. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about going to McDonald's, wanting to go to McDonald's for months on this podcast, <laughs> and I fucking did it today because of this movie. I, <laughs> I took the train to Fishtown and I went to the Fishtown McDonald's and I got out of there because there were 30 Uber Eats drivers trying <laughs> get their thing I was like, all right i'll take the train home and eat this lukewarm at home and it it was perfect it was just like they dreamed of in mainland china for years before they were finally able to have access to it
1: i love their shrine to their friend who died going yeah. over the fence it's like prominently mcdonald's but it's also a pineapple pizza and pizza hut and like and from pizza hut right and then there's like a pack of Marlboros, <laughs> yeah, you know, like right by his picture.
2: They gotta load up on the Reds right when I get there. <laughs> Malcolm, how'd you like this one?
4: Oh, I liked it a lot, and I I, I don't think I'd really heard of this movie before. Uh, and uh, it's interesting hearing that it was such a foundational text for you know a lot of my other favorite Hong Kong action movies. And you know, it's great. It has all like the violence. It has a little bit of humor, but things get real serious too, and. Uh, Just kind of, you know, I love the the crime group dynamic and all the fun that's had with that throughout the movie. And yeah, this one, this one was a, a lot of fun. You know, it was I'm glad you brought it.
3: Yeah, I'm honestly a little surprised that it's so foundational because I feel like not to say that like Hong Kong crime movies like don't veer into being bleak. But this one, like, I mean, especially that ending, it just feels so like nihilistic and just dark and just like the the combination of the mainland going to Hong Kong just winds up in just some really just bummer territory. And yeah. like a lot of the violence um, just feels a lot more just like gruesome uh, than some of the other. I mean, again, they're like humorous violence, like the guy falling onto the ice rink oh. really got <laughs> a, a, a big laugh from That's
2: me. One of the best kills, I've, some of the best dummy and wire work I've seen in a minute. I mean... It's it's funny because it's one of those things where I saw the wire before the wire work even came in but it's after he falls the wire work comes in to drag him across off that rebound on the ice rink and I was like what What effect are they even going to do here and then he just starts going the opposite direction on the ice and I was just fucking <laughs> dying like I, I love the gravity defying aspect of Hong Kong action movies particularly in the 80s because yeah you had that like surreal aspect of like the Shaw Bros uh, period martial arts ones where all that wire work is attached to like this you know (laughs) not to be too uh what what would it be orientalizing it but like you know old like old timey mythical kind of ancient Chinese stuff where this is just like modern crime and those physics are still you know gonna be uh on location now instead of studio bound and I, I love seeing that
1: Right after that guy had grabbed Chuck E. Cheese in the ass to, uh, <laughs> at, the, at the Plaza Mall, which is a great touch for like a sleazy cop that is going to be knocked off. Like you see him slapping Chuck E. Cheese's <laughs> ass. But yeah, I think Felipe called this the uh, the least fun, super violent Hong Kong film <laughs> of its era. And I think that's totally apt, but I think it speaks to like the sort of semi-documentary or docudrama style. Mm-hmm. I read that Johnny Mock deliberately cast nobodies, basically. And it's like, you can imagine this film with any of the yeah. stars of Hong Kong, and it would probably be a lot funnier. The characters would be a little more charismatic, but these guys are just like... They're just like normal guys. There's three A fat of guys actors, that should
2: be yeah. lamb suet, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: absolutely. It
4: is funny watching this movie, realizing like, damn, if I was in a Hong Kong gang, I'm probably getting a fat-oriented nickname. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh yeah, you're you're <laughs> either every
2: guy who's even my size at this point is like gonna be called fatty, fatso, or chubby. Like it's it's really fine, you know. Like I'm not Sam getting a cool one though. Like bullseye, called fat. Yeah, yeah Bullseye's is a good name. I like bullseye. Yeah.
4: <laughs> it's just funny realize like uh, I guess you know if I'm putting myself in this scenario I'm getting I'm getting one of the least desirable nicknames probably yeah. not a
1: realistic. lot of Americans beating the fat charges in yeah. Hong Kong. <laughs> sure, <laughs> <that's right. laughs>
4: they're pretty strict they have a they have a pretty they have a pretty uh, they're ruthless yeah they got their ratios <laughs> they got their ratios that's all I gotta say
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I do love the very like uh, almost futurist <coughs> aspect of this movie with that green like proto Matrix type on screen in the beginning listing I guess the previous crimes of the person. Uh, weirdly, my subtitles did not include any text on screen, so I was not able Same. to see yeah. uh, what the. <laughs> I, I was able to infer what was going on with that uh, the, their previous
1: records or whatever. But I, I it's loved- just a bunch of cool crimes. And FYI, yeah, the new the new eighty eight films Blu Ray has has it has text translation which has never okay. been available before and yeah. that just like came out so it was nice for the first time to be like oh like <laughs> murder you know it's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, just like listing the the greatest of all time he's the most wanted person in hong kong <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah cuz it's just like year after year cuz that you see still in the normal numeric type uh the years of the convictions like man how do they not put this guy away for longer? This guy's just doing something crazy every six months. It's wild. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the film right away has a sense of like almost futuristic feeling, especially separating itself from the 70s studio bound Hong Kong action I think is a very important thing and the, the nobody's casting. And especially once it gets like I, I don't know it feels like new locations to me you know like that that waterfall set that they're they're not even set that waterfall location they're scaling is something i've never seen in a hong kong movie you know it, it evokes the exteriors that you see in every shaw brothers movie but it's like oh no this is a real waterfall that they're next to maybe you know uh and i i love that aspect of it the run and gun shooting once they're in hong kong and so much fun style uh throughout this and, uh, a, eventually when it gets to the indoor walled city of Kowloon it's like just maximum overdrive like I just can't get enough of that third act all being in that indoor city one of the coolest things I've ever seen really because I've watched a few Hong Kong movies that I feel like have shown that location but have not utilized it quite like this
3: especially just like how tight and compressed in like some hallways yeah I feel like that just like I don't know. At that point, you know they're pretty much fucked, but like seeing them just sort of have to like wiggle their way through a tiny hallway. It's just like especially there. And then Marcia, you're saying the like pseudo documentary like element and using like um, the like I don't know the outside locations like right after I think when they're originally planning the heist, which I think it's kind of funny in terms of like the way it's like sort of sold to the group as this like big heist. And then it seems to be just like, I don't know, just you walk up the block in like old city, like (laughs) Jewelers row, like literally any like jewelry store. It's like (laughs) so tiny. Yeah, exactly. Um just a smash and after grab, they yeah. said it's
2: hundred years worth of money. I'm <laughs>
3: after after they initially sort of fucked that up by just being too suspicious outside of a jewelry store. Like when they're like running around, there's so many moments like where you're like capturing people just like not I wouldn't even say extras because they're just people who are like looking at the camera just surprised. I feel like you see like a white couple on vacation, like in the mix there too. Like it's oh, just I love the awesome. obligatory
2: white people in this movie. <laughs> Especially the one the the couple that shows up later on. Their accents are amazing. Like there there's always the like the line that rides between okay. Is this an American slash UK actor trying to get exploitation movie work in Hong Kong? Or is this a tourist who a Hong Kong producer was like, do you want to be in a movie? I'll give you $20. You speak English,
1: right? Yeah, those British commandos at the end are so yeah. funny. Yeah. No. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there's a yeah, that's that's the real career path. Malcolm's talked about going to Bollywood and becoming the first white Bollywood star. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I think yeah. like if we're looking to actually work hard and make money every day, you know, we go to we go to Hong Kong, we become the obligatory white guys in Hong Kong movies. Yeah. I'm fine with that. You know? I could play an
1: officer in the Battle of Lake Changjin, no problem. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, what do I have
2: to say, officer? The communists are coming now. <laughs>
4: The white Bollywood star, that's like the dream, like if I had my way, but like the realistic version is kind (laughs) of like, yeah, let's go to Hong Kong, let's get some work in and do some Some extra work as cops you know what I mean ever uh...
2: since you first posed that idea Malcolm like just the the mental image of just like a crane shot or like an Eastwood style helicopter shot pulling away with like you kind of doing the SRK pose with like hundreds of Indian people dancing around you has kind of recurred in my mind once in a while and it's one of my favorite like I it has to happen at some
4: no it's
3: Malcolm Bombay
4: Malcolm Bombay (laughs) (laughs) God, <laughs> I, I think oh, there's man. something to it, like, not, not me specifically, but like, you know, it would catch on in a weird way, you know what I mean? It's like one of those things that just catches on. I don't
2: know. <laughs> Uh, but as we were saying, there's like uh, the, they kind of draw some attention right away when they come into Hong Kong just staking out this place. and uh, it, one of them kind of gets taken in there and ha- it can't talk or whatever. But it's it's a really weird scene that leads to a chase getaway scene with all these crazy stunts and weird angles with the run and gun shooting. And I, I really love the action choreography of this movie overall. One of the guys goes into this, like, eerie porno den where there's also, like, a children's choir. You hear the audio of a children's choir or something like that. I was like, is this some fucking, uh, what's that Sam Fuller movie, Uh, The Naked Kiss? Is this some Naked Mm -hmm. Kiss shit going on right now? Like...
5: (laughs) (laughs) then he
4: just like sees a woman he knows there and like kind of like talks to her and then yeah well it
2: triggers the whole that's the thing you get this flashback to their youth in the mainland and it it almost feels like they're writing the movie in real time where they're like oh wait we have to remember that this was the love interest from before so let's do a quick flashback before he sees the woman at the whorehouse who he used to know so we get this beautiful flashback to their youth in the mainland where they're all in uniform and everything and then he meets her at the i guess brothel type place uh slash peep show and they're just like hanging out watching a porno in the peep booth i guess and uh it's a it's an <laughs> eerie location i it was very strange it made me very uncomfortable but that was probably the point
1: of it <laughs> I love that Still flashback. Don't
2: understand what the children's choir? Don't don't know why where it was coming from. It's not explained at all. The audio mixing on that very strange. I feel like
1: too there's like constant choirs from like Christmas songs as well because that's also yeah. one of like the cultural shock things. It's like the main here come the mainlanders and it's like the new year yeah. and like Christmas is going on and these guys don't know like anything about Christmas and they're just like yeah
2: yeah the. The juxtaposition is they're celebrating Buddha's birthday in the mainland and the movie starts and then at the end in Hong Kong they're celebrating uh, Christmas and getting away with the same stuff of like diversions by street cars with, you know, people singing in them and shit.
1: Yeah, but I love that flashback because it really hammers home their like comrade sort of army guy thing, uh, which is so I think Mm -hmm. important. In the sense that, like, yes, this is a Hong Kong film, and nothing certainly at this point terrified them more of, like, some Red Guard guys from the Cultural Revolution, like, crossing the fence, you know? It's like,
5: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whoa,
1: you know? I imagine that was, like, a huge anxiety for a lot of Hong Kongers. So they really, like, hammer that yeah. home, but then the film, like, centers them as the main characters, which is kind of a radical thing to do in the in the context of these guys probably being demonized you know in the media and in the public or whatever
4: i feel like the the, it's interesting too like the the broad like the different qualities of the characters like I, i like that the movie goes out of its way to like show that some of these guys in the group are like good guys but like specifically that one guy who uh you know kind of tortures that prostitute oh who gets his dick
3: sucked at or yeah sucked at gunpoint rooster
4: is it rooster yeah i I couldn't remember all the sick nicknames you know what i mean i was too envious of wanting one. that one not so subtle no (laughs) yeah yeah even the cops had nicknames which i thought were funny yeah. earlier in the movie there's kind of like an 80s comedy sex scene where like the night's ending and we cut to like each guy and like we go to their bedroom and you mm-hmm. know like one guy named Chubby is like in an oversized bathtub or whatever <laughs> with, like, cool mosaic designs or whatever in the background and like he's, ha- he's having a good time you know and then um, yeah it just shows a variation and it kind of feels like you know an 80s comedy thing like everybody gets laid type thing mm-hmm. and then they all
2: reconvene at the arcade (laughs) yeah
4: yeah exactly and then like the second go around you know with the rooster especially it gets real dark and like i don't know that's a kind of an interesting thing to kind of set the table up so in something you know kind of lighthearted before and then kind of pulling the rug out from under you and like leaving you with that harshness of that that rooster Mm -hmm. character and obviously his his character and uh gets called into question you know further down in the movie but I, I, that, that that was just kind of shocking, you know, just a another kind of strong detail in this movie.
2: I love also the detail uh, in that section in like the nightclub and then fancy hotel where they're in the bathroom and the the guy like the bathroom waiter guy is offering them that weird vibrator massager on their backs. Uh. <laughs> they're just like, the fuck is this? Yeah. Oh, where's like to you piss, have to like to pay shit? him? <laughs> yes, yes, that's so awesome.
1: <laughs> so good. Oh man they're just really lost. You know, it's really a movie about guys that are like recruited into this heist by their old pal, but they would rather be shopping and like rather Mm -hmm. be like, yeah, going to whorehouses and shopping than like doing crime, you know? (laughs) so I, I wasn't sure did they know the guy who runs the arcade
2: beforehand or do they meet him and loop him in in the moment just
1: there? the one guy the the hardcore criminal leader tongue yeah. knew that guy okay, from like yeah. previous jobs
2: so they, they use that arcade as kind of a meetup spot and I love that arcade just painted blood red like an Argento set or something like that like even the sides of the machines are painted red uh, painted over the machine <laughs> designs which is pretty funny uh, and I, I really love that as just like a a new age like technological wasteland hangout place for them uh, to hang out at and eventually the one dude who runs the arcade gets taken in for questioning doesn't talk but you know uh, is still pressed by tongue about that and one of the most intense scenes in the movie where he's locked in a car that's set on fire. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I love when they're uh burning him in the car just cuz it's it's they really like you know the filmmaking makes it so scary of him being like enraptured in flames and you know, you referring to the, the, the kill earlier with, you know, him plunging down to an ice rink and like floating around the ice rink. I, I just love how extreme everything is in this movie. You know, when it comes to like a kill or an attempt or how characters treat each other, it just, it really is, you know, cutthroat. Like, uh, and I, you know, it fits with kind of like the docudrama stylings and yeah, it's a, it's a good, uh, good, good pairing.
2: Speaking of extremism, yeah, I mean, like Fatso getting domed after he, he's eating ice cream while just like looking down at the uh, the ice skating rink is so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so over the top and ridiculous and you know after the cops are tailing or when the cops are tailing that arcade owner after they first try to interrogate him and you have that dumbass music playing in the background while they're failing to tail him Uh, and it's that classic thing where you know someone's following the guy but the guy loses them and loops around to the follower to make a fool out of him you know Uh, and it's just like I love how goofy the movie veers for like a couple minutes at a time before going back to being one of the bleakest uh movies in its genre and country for sure it's it's so great in that aspect
3: even the goofiness of it like i knew like the fact that there's such a long diversion with them just like fucking around with prostitutes and just wanting to spend money is just like so bleak because it's just like they just don't they clearly don't want to be here like thinking about like how we'd watched Uh, Dominic graphs the cat very recently just like the pacing and plotting such I mean obviously Hong Kong I feel like part of the joy is these like fun little diversions but here it just I feel like makes so much sense and just like the fact that these most of these men are just confused about the setup they're really not sure of where they're at and it just like is the most disorganized like little knockoff that they said I don't know at the beginning it's just like it should be like a 48 hour thing they should be yeah. in and out but it just winds up sprawling into this like long just catastrophe
2: yeah, that was a moment like 45 minutes into the movie. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. This is supposed to be just like a quick job, like run into Hong Kong, do this job and get the fuck out, you know. And then she's like, oh, we're spending an hour, 45 minutes or days and days or even weeks in Hong Kong, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, the the chase is eventually on as uh, the, the betrayal happens with the guy who opens the arcade or runs the arcade rather. And I, I love the scene where they're about to kill him and the fucking helicopter the police helicopter rises up behind him uh in just like the most insane 80s action movie confluence ever it was fucking sick i i thought that was like one of the most like fist pumping just awesome action movie moments of the m- movie
4: it's always devastating too when like there's a guy who Thinks he's in with the other side, and that they'll save them or something like yeah. that. That's like a thing that happens in movies, and then they kind of realize right before they get shot that they're they're not safe. Like that's always has a devastating ring to it, and it's it's used to great effect here, you know, as things yeah, go. Yeah, it's
2: the great exclamation point of him thinking he's been saved, and then the cops just gunning him down immediately. <laughs> yeah,
1: and the cops in this movie, like a lot of Hong Kong movies, are very shoot-first and don't give a shit about anything later. And, like, I think that's, you know, it's really the perfect metaphor for the movie, because the arcade owner is just some hong kong business guy slash triad presumably and he is in between you know the british royal police and then the chinese heisters and he's like no i'm cool right i'm cool with you and they're like no i'm cool with you and then they just fucking shoot him up so yeah it's like that's sort of the the hong kong position like getting it from all sides you know
4: that scene with the the doctor and the the doctor's wife you know when they're hiding out at the end in the hospital
1: you know he gets well
2: it's not even a hospital it's their apartment oh in yeah the true city. yeah in true, the world's true.
1: secret city. operating room in his apartment yeah
2: <laughs> that, i love that they have those old school revolving like bookshelf doors into the secret room where he does <laughs> operations on people <laughs> on the low
4: always a good touch in a movie you know secret yeah. room r- secret doctor you know, Secret I was door. expecting the doctor
2: yeah. to be, like, a, a, a vet, you know, like, uh, having a horse in the room. He's like, all right, I'll fix this guy <laughs>
4: up. But he gets pretty unceremoniously shot down, you know, yeah. when he's sent out to negotiate with the cops and they just, just like, sent seven bullets straight into his chest immediately. Beyond
2: it's Dirty so Harry, these cops are, like, fucking Alec Baldwin in Miami Blues. Like,
4: they're just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, this. Robocop. It's yeah.
2: fun. <laughs> even when they're
3: trapped like rats at the end, just like them. Some of the boys, the more naive ones, being like, well, "Let's try to negotiate. Like, can you we just talk to them? Like, like can we we're, we can work something out, right?" Just to think that at that point is just so sad.
2: And you know, I hadn't seen the movie, and it's like. I was holding out a little bit of hope there was like a 5% chance yeah. of hope in me with maybe 10 minutes left once you get to 5 minutes left or so and everyone's right below them you know they're not getting out of there so they're hiding in the doctor's apartment in Kowloon Walled City uh, you're like alright maybe there's a chance they get to the top there through the attic and they're just like on top of the Walled City somehow and you get like an epic helicopter shot of the Walled City no that's that's not happening they're, it's like the most brutal death possible and you just see the blood drip down on one of the cops face uh like a tear that he wipes away in one of the most insane over-the-top uh like 80s action movie henchman moments of that cop there and uh, it's just it's a gloriously brutal ending there I, i love that
3: yeah the little button with the rat yeah just getting stuck falling through the floorboard
2: marsh you brought this one to the table any final thoughts and a rating on long arm of the law
1: yeah well i'm going four bullets Uh, it's it's a solid heist film well i mean they're not good at heisting but it's a solid heist film and uh it looks forward to a lot of really great you know hong kong action crime stuff and uh yeah, I mean I think I've said my piece, you know, check it out now that it's uh it's available in a in a good copy. And FYI, there's three more. I've only oh, seen yeah. the second one, which is good, not as good as this I don't think, but the second one's all about like it's not actually continuous, but it's basically mainland criminals who get pressed into like informant service in Hong Kong is basically the plot of the second one and it's still really good and although Johnny Mock didn't direct it his brother did Uh, and he produced so it's sort of all in the family so I'm looking forward to seeing three and four eventually uh, as well
2: that's pretty sick I like the the sequel being taken over by your brother yeah Old
1: Johnny yeah. Kubrick doing <laughs>
2: twenty ten. with the young man on <laughs>
4: I assume that it, like if your brother's directing it, it's like well, there basically it will be no change at all. Then it'll basically be the same <laughs> yeah, style. No. If, if you're I've seen exactly. those Fairly
2: brother. Brothers, Cohen Brothers movies. They're the same guy. No, like yeah. it's yeah. like the
3: the father son combo, like Cronenberg dad, Cronenberg son. That does not work. Yeah. The bro- it's all about passing it on to the brother. That
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. I feel <laughs> like there's yeah. fraternity. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, that is a like big i like
4: that much more in a way i don't yeah. know why
2: <laughs> malcolm any final thoughts and a rating on long arm of the law
4: yeah i'm gonna give this four bullets you know, I, I think it's super you know creative with all the kills and like just the scenarios they find themselves in you know you said it's not they're not great at heisting it's like what are the guys who do the heist what are they doing their off time you know we get to learn that you know they get to Go to McDonald's and, you know, spend money and, uh, you know, not consider... (laughs) Learn about the free
2: society of Hong Kong.
4: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Economic freedom, Everything the city has to offer, Mm -hmm. you know? This place ain't so bad. Uh, And, yeah, I I think it's just so devastating. Especially the end. The end feels so devastating. Like, I feel like if you're not even kind of picking up on how brutal the movie is, like, the ending will definitely deliver that for you. Because they kind of just... Like, the cops just kind of shoot them up, and they kind of just walk out of the room, kind of, like, yeah. not even, like, assured in what they've just done, you know what I mean? Like, they're
2: kind of just, they like... They feel also almost anonymous. Like, the, the way yeah. that he shoots them behind the riot shields, completely faceless, really plays into that.
4: Yeah, like, I said RoboCop, you know, ad-libbed it a little early, but there is something very robotic in, like, how they just kind of, like, leave the room after, you know, the mission is supposedly accomplished and it really just leaves you with you know just a steely type feeling and uh yeah so it's it, it's kind of unique in that compared to other hong kong uh action movies and um yeah i just i, I really enjoyed it a lot i i, I think it's it's a uh, it's something where i'd want to check out the sequels too i am interested in uh seeing where this goes you know the long arms of the law you know too I, i'm willing to check that out i'm willing to see that at a later date so that's a good song the longer <laughs> arm of the law yeah <laughs> i was trying to come up with one on the fly but i just i could you know the law verse <laughs> the, yeah. the wingspan of the law you know
2: adam sandler's the longest arm <laughs>
4: Yeah. American remake, you know,
3: I'm going for bullets as well. I uh, think it's a great movie. They're able to mine so much from the culture shock premise of mainland to Hong Kong and do that to like such a devastating effect um, with these characters and just, I don't know, continues be the fashion of being like a stylish exciting like Hong Kong action movie it delivers on all fronts and uh yeah I know it's a great time
2: yeah there's just so many outrageous action beats that are just incredible and reminded me that I need to go back to 80s and 90s Hong Kong movies and just watch as many of them as I can and uh yeah I you know I was saying that within the first couple minutes uh, out loud to my fiance who was watching a bit of this over my shoulder and I was like, "Yeah, no, I'll show you some." And then the dude beats the dog, and I was like, "Ah, yeah, maybe not." Like I know, I, I forgot that that's going to be in a lot of them.
4: <laughs> that's right at the beginning too—a real tone setter yeah. for the movie. Yeah, and yeah. They just
1: slap the shit yeah. out of that dog. The beat the dog theory of screenwriting—they don't teach that in America. But uh, I
4: like yeah. it. I like it when they beat the dog. I do like it yeah. when they beat the dog. It's funny. <laughs> That's no one the, ever beats uh, the dog. as good. That's the
2: as good as it gets theory. Open the movie with a guy beating a dog. James L. Brooks gets it, man. Throw that dog down the fucking laundry chute. Like you're in a Hong Kong
4: action movie. That's so fun. Dog abuse, pretty funny in certain contexts. You know. You, you I mean,
2: look, it. I I loved my little pooches more than anything in the world at the time. But when Anchorman came out and he punted Jack Black's dog, I genuinely cried. Like I like cried laughing Like I thought okay. it was the funniest no. no 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 oh my god no I, 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 I. No I, I wasn't like Ron Burgundy Crying in the phone box after No I thought it was The funniest fucking thing ever Like I you know it's dog abuse Animal abuse is Always funny when it's obviously Fake When it's obviously fake Peta please do not come after me My beautiful cat is uh, in a loving home uh, I am giving this Four bullets as well You guys loaded up the bases For a, a triple play edition Of the Sixth cents, And I brought it all home For the Grand Slam Um yeah no this is great it's like it's you know not too dense of a narrative there's a lot of moving pieces it's a fun men on a mission movie uh more so than an effective like a uh, procedure heist movie and it's more about the action than the procedure and the more ridiculous comedic beats and the fun character beats and it's just full of style and i i really i just loved it it was great um that's all we'll be right back on extended
0: Hello, Clippers, Clippies, Clipheads, whatever you prefer to be prefer to be called. This is Ethan Vespi, a two-time guest of Extended Clip, uh, an episode from December twenty twenty and an episode from March twenty twenty-three, if I uh, remember correctly. Anyway, I'm recording this spot to do a little uh, do a little bit of the promo, so to speak. Uh, my programming collective in Toronto. Uh, Bleeding Edge. Uh, Back in November, we presented a sold-out screening of Nate Wilson's micro-budget sensation The All-Golden. And by sold-out, I mean at a big theater. We sold over 220 seats. Everyone in that theater was thrilled to be seeing this movie. Uh, This after its premiere at Fantastic Fest in Austin in September, just two months earlier. Uh, Now comes the next step in the movie's tour. We are bringing The All-Golden to none other than new york city or you know williamsburg if you want to be more specific uh we are presenting the new york premiere of the all golden at spectacle theater the great spectacle theater uh on february 12th at seven thirty p.m tickets are currently on sale on the spectacle website uh but you can also message me if you just need the link uh director Nate Wilson and star Leah Sebastianis will be there and not only that we will have a special post film QA moderated by another past uh, extended clip guest that being Nick Newman uh, so this this is gonna be a great night there's only uh, there's not a huge amount of seats at spectacle so I recommend you get your ticket now if you're in New York and you want to go it could very well sell out soon and I hope to see you there I'll be there and I'll say hi if this podcast brought you there
3: what are is that do you have a scarf on as well
0: I do nice. it's cold out here yeah
3: I had a feeling it's well you're not really bundled up in it it's kind of like you got the c- cigar warming your lungs as well that's
4: right <laughs> I got a little
1: coffee I got my cigar I'm just like all warm things around me so
4: yeah i was i was thinking about i don't know maybe wearing a sweater on zoom to you know something to represent the (laughs) mix it up yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like just i want to match the weather outside you know as an indicator like if it's raining maybe a little rain jacket on yeah yeah,
1: you're like uh, when it gets below 60 (laughs) uh malcolm wear the sweater
2: (laughs) I remember when I went to Toronto last year, I got, I got made fun of that a lot for that. Uh, I remember cause I, I used to all the time, especially during COVID lockdown, I was always playing Xbox with a couple of Toronto boys, uh, josh and alex and i remember uh, J- alex in his very british accent being like oh yeah eddie always complains he says oh i have to wear a sweatshirt today it's so cold <laughs> in california i think i'm gonna have to wear a sweatshirt <laughs> <laughs> i was just like fuck you because he's like yeah, from cool. england and toronto like two cold ass places you know yeah, so
1: well now you're learning the hard way I yeah yeah you know. <laughs>
2: And we're back on Extended Clip. It's Malcolm in the Middle. Life is unfair. Malcolm, how's life treating you recently? You watched any paid advertisements? Uh, No, I
4: I usually skip through them. You know, I'm not not a big... not a big ad guy. Uh I know you, I know you like commercials and whatnot, But uh sorry, unpaid I, ads. Unpaid ads. What
3: were your favorite commercials that you've seen this week?
4: Well, Super Bowl commercials coming up. Yeah, no. It's true. Paid commercials uh were
2: like my entire income for 2023. Not podcast ad revenue yeah, working no, of on course. TV commercials. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So Super Bowl commercials coming up. That's going to be a lot of good commercials there. But like, uh honestly,
2: the the Super Bowl commercial I did one day of prep on for the last Super Bowl was like my entire January February income. Like yeah. the rate was ridiculous. Yeah. And then the industry collapsed. But anyway, we 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 di- we digress. Yeah,
4: I won't I will make fun of them. That I won't make fun of Super Bowl commercials. Then it was the, it was cool. the
2: mayonnaise commercial with uh, Pete Davidson, my mayo ass. <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, you would work on that Best yeah. Foods commercial. <laughs> no, you know I've been you know it's been raining over here, so I've been uh, you know uh, bundling up, wearing a jacket, you know, making sure I don't mm-hmm. get wet. But uh, I saw The Promised Land, the new Mads Mikkelsen movie. Uh, I, I I lightly enjoyed this movie. It's it, So I guess Mads Mikkelsen. He's like he was like a general in the war. Kind of came up a self-made man, and he's coming to Denmark, and he wants this uh this plot of land called the Heath, and where like no no vegetables, no crops. Like it's 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 can grow. It's it's known it's as like barren, hard to grow stuff, and no one lives there. But he kind of comes to the king's council and pitches it like, if I could revive this area, get people to live there, you know, sell, you know, uh, grow some crops, like, can I become a nobleman, get, like, titleship? You know, a lot of this stuff I'm not too familiar with, but, like, he'll he'll become, like, in the king's council, I guess, in Denmark. And so... You know, most of the movie is just kind of uh, Mads Mikkelsen, you know, dealing with that. Like, how do I, you know, uh, make this uh, a a livable land? At first, you know, it's a lot of hard labor, a lot of uh, Mads Mikkelsen kind of using some sort of tool in in the grass, you know, uh, doing some some hardcore farming. And then kind of, you know, the politics of that day and age uh, kind of settle in and like there's like... uh, People who had run away from other kings uh, like plantations or whatever that they're running here in Denmark and like kind of uh, Mads Mikkelsen, you know, hires them to work even though they're like illegal workers. And so he kind of runs into a lot of stuff like that where he's like working with people who are outlaws or, you know, uh, like there's uh, a random vagrant black child i believe that it is uh, that like a lot of the other uh uh, locals kind of besmirch and kind of want him to leave so you have a little bit of you know kind of uh him dealing with racism and whatnot and you know it's it's kind of like the dramatics of it all you know and a lot of it hinges on this very cruel king who's trying to stop mads mickelson uh, the dramatics of it all, you know, they, they work fine, but I kind of just like the tone of this movie and kind of just like the mood of kind of like uh, you know Mads Mikkelsen kind of like this historical epics. I watching this movie, I realized I, I don't watch a lot of historical movies. It's kind of like outside of my realm. So this one kind of just being like somewhat serviceable and just kind of delivering in a you know sense. Just I, I enjoyed it just because like dang, I, you know. I, I don't know much about history, and I don't watch these history movies, so it, it's it, it's it was very good at delivering kind of the education of the time, but, I don't know, pretty sick scene where he has to slash and burn the land, so he's just kind of standing in the land, and it's all on fire and whatnot. I don't know. I don't really have much interesting to say of this movie, but it, was, it delivered. As-
3: <laughs> you bring up history. This yeah. is not really related to film. Yeah. But, like, I've noticed a disturbing trend in my YouTube algorithm. Oh, no. Normally, it's just, like, uh, it's, like, Come Town Clips and, like, uh, NBA-like stuff. But now, uh, all of a sudden, I've been getting, like, ancient history videos, which is, like, scary. It's, like, I don't want to be one of those guys. But i have like, I'm weak like sometimes they'll get me with uh like just You're becoming
2: um, a history. You're becoming what we just made fun of a few weeks no, ago. No, You're no, no. You're becoming a How often do you think about the Roman I'm civilization? I'm not, it's not I'm avoid I'm trying <laughs> to Roman avoid ancient
3: history. There was one video I listened while I was get to while I was getting ready for work that was uh Ancient animal or animals that went extinct that were regular parts or like interacted with ancient societies. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I want to know about big extinct animals, sure. which was a little disappointing because it's just like an elephant, but it was from Syria and it was bigger, or like there were lions <laughs> in Rome and stuff like that. It's like, okay, well, so that's stuff kind that
4: of, still exists in other kind, con- but it's like a Syrian and, lion, yeah.
3: And some, then the algorithm has started giving me some Nazi history stuff too there's uh, one that had a really funny like headline that I like watched a little bit of the video that was uh was Goebbels a sex pest and it was like look buddy here's a lot of other <laughs> much, have- arguably much worse things did it
2: have like a clickbaity thumbnail like uh- <laughs> um
3: no it was just a picture of like Goebbels with a woman uh, <laughs> um, funny enough yeah and I was like okay I mean I did give it a spin and I was just like it was just, okay, he was not like an Aryan looking yeah. man. He just, uh, abu- it was funny, the framing of it was he abused his position of power within the Nazi party <laughs> to like sleep with his secretaries. And it's just like, uh, I, there's a lot of abuse going on there. I don't know why we need to focus nine minutes on, on this in particular.
2: You could say he helped abuse six million people.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Not good. Not uh,
3: good. <laughs> um, but no, I'm. I'm fighting against it. I'm trying to. I want cool history to show up. Yeah. Cool guy history. Like the history of like. Like leather pavement. jackets. Yeah. Or pavement. Yeah. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> pavement G. the bands. Pavement the band or just like pavement on, on the oh, ground? I was the, band. the material. I just, yeah, the material. Like a, like like,
2: a go to like cool band, you know? Okay. Well. Well, or yeah. like Fonzie. Yeah. If you want that kind of cool. Yeah. Which um, I think is cooler,
4: frankly
3: yeah if, if I'm back here in a week talking to you about Pythagoras then I've failed
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well this this one's like Denmark I feel like you don't hear people talking about like 1700s Denmark doesn't get a lot of yeah. play in the the history wheel so well
3: maybe pull, pull up your YouTube app and do a little digging
4: yeah,
2: yeah. Was something rotten at the core of Denmark? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I. We talked about this off mic on the last episode, but I, I worked like the opening Saturday of that movie at the local art house, and six people rolled out, and it showed like ten times over the course of the day. Damn. So, did not do very well. Made a total of like sixty dollars for the theater. <laughs> All just geezers rolling out, just like
4: it was. My audience was, pretty was old. Good. It was a humbling yeah. audience to be in. Yeah. It was the
2: audience who thought uh, Zone of Interest would be too uncomfortable and give them anxiety, you know?
1: (laughs) Uh, Eric, did you watch anything uh, good recently you want to talk about? Well, you know, at the risk of outing myself, I have been watching HBO's Rome, Ooh, uh, wow. which I <laughs> well, we just should. I've never seen, thing, uh, but it's it, it's hey, you know, it's very trashy and fun. It's incredibly stupid and it's very television. But I like it a lot, you know. But no, for real. Uh, I've been I've been watching a lot of Indian parallel cinema like mm. Indian new wave stuff from the 60s and 70s and I mean too many to recommend cuz like everyone I watch I'm like, "Oh, it's a banger," you yeah. know. Um but one that that I keep thinking about is this al Sen film called Interview from 1971 and it's about a guy, a young man who uh, has like the, He gets this job interview set up through a friend because he's just like this loafer, you know? This guy just like s- sits around and reads or whatever. And he's got this job, and all he has to do is show up in a Western-style suit. Uh, but he like his is dirty, and so he's like, oh, shit, I got to get it cleaned. But the launders are like on strike in his city. And so it just becomes this like odyssey of this guy trying to get a suit, to wear to this interview, but it's very like, uh, I don't know. It reminded me of like sixties guitar in a really fun way. It's very playful. It's very low budget at a certain point. It breaks the fourth wall completely. Like this guy's riding on a bus and the camera just like spins around, and he's like, I'm just an ordinary guy. Marine Alsen asked to film my life. And they like pan the camera around, and the whole crew is just like on this bus filming him, you know? <laughs> a lot of really like playful stuff like that, and mixing in sort of like social realist montage with just this guy's like goofy job interview story. Uh, and uh, I don't want to spoil like it, but
2: early Kiristami, like uh, the interview yeah. and uh, the photographer and stuff like that.
1: Definitely. And yeah, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but like it doesn't go well. Uh, And it's very funny because it it doesn't go well, you know, Uh, he ultimately, yeah, he's got like his his Indian dress that he has to wear to the interview. And it's like, oh, no. But like Long Arm of the Law, it's a film that's very much about like, yeah, the the colonial after effects or like the British influence that is like fucking with everyone, you know, good stuff. JT, you watch anything good?
3: Yeah. I. It was a movie that I had to ask you about before we started recording, because I was like, did we do an episode about this movie at one point? I mean, which is fine. I like Sometimes it's just nice to beat the drum for the hits. You
2: got to do extended clip revisited sometimes.
3: Uh, but uh, this, we haven't, I don't think, ever done a proper episode on, but I was so- showing someone uh, their first Hong, and I was like, okay, where do we go from here? Didn't have all that much time to do one of the longer ones. And I was like, hill of freedom, perfect. Like one of my favorites. Um, And yeah, I don't know, it just, like the simple structure of like the letters, like falling and just sort of being out of sorts is just something that like, I don't know, I really enjoy every time and sort of how you pick up on different things like through the dog. Like all of the character dynamics are pretty like I don't know uh, standard Hong. Although this is like less like about a filmmaker, um, but an aspect I love about this, and I always kind of forget about it before I rewatch it, is that it's like mostly in English because it's a Japanese guy in Korea and he doesn't speak Korean all that well, and I feel like it gives the movie like a very funny. Like, sort of, stilted quality to like people like, not speaking in like their native tongue, where there's like this sort of slow, precise, like kind of directness to it. The directness, especially like, like
2: people are just blurting out yeah, the rudest, yeah, exactly. In that like, movie. The, even more than usual for Hong, exactly.
3: Yeah. There's a scene where, uh, she's a bitch, yeah, no, I have that <laughs> clip. I like. The,
2: That that scene is so fucking good.
0: Oh, she's just crazy. She's a bitch. (laughs) Why? What did she say? She's a bitch. She
5: knows nothing. But she thinks
2: she's cool. She treats me like a dirt. You didn't see that? She thinks she's an artist or something. But she's nothing. She knows nothing. She's just a bitch. (laughs)
3: Probably, like, the funniest honk scene of all time. That gets me. It's
2: right up there. That The drunken Tai Chi in (laughs) Night and Day is up there for sure. But that scene, just every time I watch it, it fucking brings me to tears laughing so hard at that. But
3: even before that, there's a moment where he's interacting uh, with that guy's aunt when he sort of first checks into the inn, um, and she's just, like, speaking very generally about japanese people being like quiet and polite and she's like you're not like japanese people um and it's like do you like like koreans and he's like i'm not really sure like just like that <laughs> like uh uh it's so funny and uh one
2: of the great lines though in hong uh being nice and polite is just being nice and polite That's one of my favorite lines of the movie in uh, all along, you know, like, uh, because, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the familiarity of the... drunken breakthrough scenes in Hong are never going to exist in stifled cross language conversation without the lubricant of alcohol. You know, like Hong is super into people like Renoir and he understands like those like stuffy conversations that people have like on the surface kind of, and that's what makes those drunken breakthrough scenes so much better.
3: Exactly. Yeah, no, there's one where he is like talking to that like American like expat and he like sort you gotta of got to love where you could have played. I could have played yeah. that role. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to live where your love is. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Like one that, of the, that role one of the was best for Marsh. Right there. <laughs>
4: we got to find out who that guy's a casting agent. You know, there might be like a specific <laughs> thing to it, you know?
2: That's like the all-time great for like the obligatory white dude in an Asian movie. Like that's like the fucking god-level version of it. Every every American dude in a Hong Kong crime movie going over there, boss, is like a, like I thought it was awesome, but now it's like a C plus at best compared to that guy. You know? Yeah, yeah. we're in the short shorts. The short <laughs> shorts are in, they're flagrant. Like you can't be doing that. <laughs> But yeah hill of freedom's amazing i also think it's a great introductory hong but it's also a great one for once you've seen like five or ten for all of the formal rules it breaks within his rigorous uh formalist structure you know like it has that dissolve which I, at, yeah. up to that point he had never used a dissolve uh, He or maybe he uses one earlier or something like that but it, and then there's one after that in yourself and yours if I recall correctly but that's when one of the letters uh, in the framing device one of the letters seems to disappear with that and so there's a missing piece and you know it's like it's this clockwork puzzle piece movie, but there's a missing piece and you don't know what it possibly could be even. And that's the best part of it. It's like, it's never going to be that perfect. And that adds like the surrealistic layer to it. And, I don't know. I love Hong and the easy comp has always been Romare for a lot of people just because they're such conversationalist filmmakers. But I always see him much closer to his influences of Bunuel and Renoir, Uh, just like the way his dramas work with like, you know, kind of uh polite conversations and then breaking through them and seeing the farce in them and, and also the surrealism of Boonwell.
3: There's like that definitely like that dream sequence that yeah. happens there where he gets like uh, cuz it definitely like watching someone watch that for the first time they be like confused when they see like sort of the him get the happy ending but then just the oh, psych the no. dream <laughs>
2: sequence where the the lady who runs the hotel is congratulating him for winning a fight. And she's like, I love you You're great (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: uh, uh. Yeah, that definitely happened
2: That is Oh man, one of my I feel like we've talked about this movie on like we talked about it on like the best of the 2010s episode, and then every time one of us re-watches it, we bring it up, <laughs> but it's worth it. It's it's definitely a favorite of the pod, so if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Hill of Freedom, you need to check that out. There is a great uh, Blu-ray by Grasshopper that I have, and uh, it helps because uh, for a long time, I watched that movie like three times with like hard-coded French subs for the English parts, and I was like, this, I can't do this. I can't, I can't have the French language on screen while I'm watching this movie. <laughs> it's bad enough he made a few movies with French people in them, you know? <laughs> sure. I wanted to talk a little bit about the movie that you heard about on our break promo segment. Yeah, you're hearing me right. I mean, it's not like we're, we're making ad revenue here. Uh, we're we're doing a little uh, promo for our boys at Bleeding Edge who are always doing the most for cinema up in Toronto. They're expanding their reach to a screening in New York. Uh, if you're listening to this episode when it comes out, it'll be this coming Monday, uh, which I believe is the 12th, at Spectacle Cinema in New York. The movie is The All Golden. This is a movie I've heard about about from some Toronto folks that saw a screening of it a while back and really piqued my interest and it's uh if you're a fan of Damon Packard I would definitely say that you're going to be on the right wavelength for this movie this is an abrasive jagged edge hyper stylized cinephilic trashy comedy movie trashy but with clear knowledge of both high and low brow cinema it's like if Damon Packard was more respectful of the classics you know (laughs) Uh, both both if he had sex which Damon Packard clearly doesn't and respected the classics with Damon Mm -hmm. which Damon Packard also doesn't and those are both reasons why I love Damon Packard you know but like uh, that's why this movie is good on its own right as well Uh, I I feel like it has such a rich sense of cinephilia running through it Beyond people just watching movies on their screens, you know, like all the needle drops are associated with like deep cut movie references. If you put the puzzle together, but it's also just working in the moment for this like abrasive montage heavy movie with all this like split screen and picture in picture type stuff and crazy overlay effects. And uh, it's, it's a really fucking wild ride. I gotta say, we just did an episode that we just talked about uh on, Dominic Grafs the cat. we just referenced that one. That song that opens that opens it, the uh, burden with the animal's song, all the good times is used. Oh shit. and i I had I had to ask I this isn't this is like a preview of maybe an eventual interview, but I did DM the filmmaker Nate Wilson on Instagram right after watching and said, was that because of the cat? And he said, "No, I just like the song, but I also love that movie. So you know, it's almost there, <laughs> close
4: enough in my eyes. Yeah,
2: close enough. Yeah. Close as long as the guy knows that the cat is a movie featuring that song, we're good to go. You know, I mean, yeah. I didn't know that until two weeks ago, but now it's part of my life.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you sold it really well. I mean, that's that's uh, that makes me want to see it. I mean, that really so."
2: I also watched this morning, I was I was re-watching some of the music videos that Richard Kern did. We did an episode on a Richard Kern short a long time ago, uh, You Killed Me First. Malcolm brought that one to the pod for our uh, underground filmmaking episode like four years ago, but it led me to this David Markey movie called Lou Believers, where it's, basically uh sonic youth but one dude has a uh magazine cover with Lou Reed's face on it taped over his face and they're roaming around Los Angeles trying to see a James Wood's movie uh and they're just like really obsessed with the idea of finding James Wood's and going to see him in uh whatever movie it was i for it had the word promise in it i think uh but yeah they were just like there's a, there's a great line of you see Thurston Moore saying, James Woods would never do that. And then also him saying, I love James Woods. He's better than the Velvet Underground. (laughs) So so Thurston Moore saying that on camera made me laugh so fucking hard. It was unbelievable. Um, And then one last one I wanted to shout out As we're doing a little wrap up Since we haven't recorded in a week And I've finally been watching movies again Uh, I watched King V Doors The Champ from 1931 A pre-code boxing movie with Wallace Beery As a a drunken boxer who can't handle having a kid But having a kid is the only thing that brings him joy in life You know, and uh, he brings his kid to the the dice games And uh, the bars where he gets wasted And it's a a really fun, touching movie movie um i just i don't know can't speak enough to king v especially like depression era v you know really scraping the bottom of the barrel uh with what kind of people he's showcasing compared to what other movies may have been showing and i i just i really love v i think we got to do more movies of his because between this and like the crowd and the one we did an episode on um bread. our daily bread yeah. of course his best movie yeah. i think uh Yeah, like, I, I, he's one that, like, every time I watch one of his movies, I'm completely blown away.
1: It's time for the Fountainhead, then, it sounds like. You guys seen that (laughs) shit?
4: Ultimate text. Yeah, (laughs)
1: that shit's crazy.
2: That sounds like I'm going to be approaching some interesting dichotomies in that movie.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've only seen the one we did for the podcast, so he's someone I really need to brush up on. He seems like, you know, he'd be up my alley.
2: He also has one from the 60s, a home movie called like, An Introduction to Metaphysics that's like 20 minutes long, and it's sick. It's just him being like, I'm going to fuck with your brain right now on some philosophical shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let me, well, you ever trip your brain out on some logic questions? <laughs> it's literally like King Vidor like, trying to be scientific, but he's kind of just like telling, almost telling riddles. It's... Uh, it's
4: <laughs> He made, like, the first video that's like, if you watch this, you'll get high. No drugs. (laughs) It's in the sound waves. Honestly, I love
2: it. I, it's it's <laughs> awesome. I remember being so hyped up to watch it because I remember it's okay. First of all, it's called Truth and Illusion An Introduction to Metaphysics. Uh, King Vidor, 20 minutes. You see like five stars from like Felipe and Neil Bahadur. And you're like, oh, this is going to be the best movie ever made. And then, like, I love it, but it's kind of laughable at spots, you know? Like, it's it's a pretty funny movie, a funny concept, at least, for this guy who was making these like salt of the earth, like, Working class movies, then became a Randian, and then by the sixties, just like you ever really trip out on some shit.
4: <laughs> when you just think about everything, man, it's kind of like crazy. Like when you really just think <laughs> about it that way, you know.
2: It reminds me of uh, St- uh, Cooper and Mad Men uh, having that Rothko painting in his office, <laughs> and he's like, "Don, you really need to read The Fountainhead." <laughs> <laughs> Ayn Rand, Don. That's the ticket for you. (laughs) Anyway, uh you could email us at extendedclippodcast at gmail.com. You could join the Patreon for five dollars a month, get a bonus episode every week, fifteen dollars a month, become an executive producer of the show, and program an episode. Um Next week, we're starting our Takeshi Kitano mini-series. The first episode will be on the Patreon, and it will focus on Sonatine, but also cover some other early work of Beat Takeshi. And Marshlands, he's your boy. We love him. Check out the gauntlet. Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show. Anything else you want to plug other than your pod?
1: Oh, that's it. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Of course.
2: Love that. There's a reason you're a three time returning champion now, so let's make it four soon. Um, <laughs> goodbye, everybody, and check out some metaphysics while you're
5: <laughs> Have you ever heard of the other multiplication table? The counterfeit one? This is the negation, the lie about the true one, the error. Sound ridiculous? Not so ridiculous as many other things the same evil thinking has conjured up to confuse us? But all experience, being subject to mind or consciousness, makes it possible for us to admit or, or reject those conditions which cause harmony or inharmony, happiness or unhappiness.